Is your game getting you down? Is it time you enjoyed better golf? How about a full day clinic at the GUI National Golf Academy? Less than two hours from Belfast, the Academy is the perfect getaway for you and your friends. With clinics starting at €95, Euro, now is the time to experience better golf. Find out more and book online at bettergolf.ie. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening to wherever you may be listening to the NI Golf Channel Podcast, episode 89. And I'm joined again today by Emma Self to chat about what has been going on in the golfing universe and take a wee bit, we look back at 2020. Now, traditionally in the final podcast of the year, we usually mark the efforts of our home stars, but given the year we've had, that would seem churlish. What about that for a word? Churlish? To say the least. Mm. Instead, Emma and I will consider who has had a good year or who has had a bad year. And we'll also be joined mm. by author Kevin Markham, who considers some of the impact that 2020 has had on golf clubs across Ireland. Absolutely. But before we get into that, some golfing news, PK. And the final major of the year, as we have been correctly calling it, since it was announced that it was going to be the final major of the year. The US Women's Open, which was won by South Korean A. Lim Kim, with a fantastic final round 67, including those three birdies in a row. The tournament finished on a Monday after Sunday's scheduled final round at Champions GC in Houston was postponed due to ridiculous amounts of rain. Unfortunately, amateur, amateur? amateur Olivia, come on Emma, Amateur Olivia Mahaffey missed the cut at the event. It was great for her to be there, but sadly, she didn't make the cut. Uh, there's still some big prizes to be played for in the LPGA. The CME Group Tour Championship, that sort of wraps up the LPGA season. It's taking place this week. Mm-hmm. That's December the 17th to the 20th. So Stephanie Meadow and Leona Maguire are in the field looking for a, a little slice of the big money. Mm-hmm. There's a lot on offer there. It's great they're both in that field. Uh, talking of big money, the 2020 European Tour season finished up in Dubai with the DP World Tour Championship. Matt Fitzpatrick grabbing a long overdue win and Lee Westwood was crowned the Race to Dubai champion for the third time. And unfortunately, Graham McDowell was forced to withdraw midway through round two with a back injury, which kind of sums things up for Ireland's men a little bit in 2020. Unfortunately, would you agree? <laughs> All a bit. Uh, the European Tour, yeah, yeah, a meh, yeah, there we go. We won't be too critical, but meh, just not luck not going their way, shall we say. Uh, the European Tour has confirmed better news that the Irish Open will be staged from July the 1st to the 4th next year at Mount Juliet. The event will also have an increased prize fund of three million euro. Tasty. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, there's just been also worthwhile that worth noting they've set aside a date in August. Uh, the European Tour set aside a date for a co-sanctioned event with the Ladies European Tour and the LPGA. So fingers crossed that will be the ISPS World Invitational at Galgorm Castle. Nothing formal on that. I'm mm. just taking a punt and mm-hmm. hoping that's what the case is. Now, for many <laughs> clubs, it's gay. <laughs> my sources haven't confirmed or denied. 
where many clubs is getting to sort of the AGM time of the year. Uh, club management teams and committees will be looking at subscriptions and dues for 2021. And with Golf Ireland set to launch next year, I sat down with journalist Kevin Markham to talk about what 2021 might hold in store. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. It's a few years since I've heard your dulcet tones. Uh, thanks, Paul. <laughs> That's a very nice welcome. So, Kevin, yes, 2020, a weird year for, for golf and a weird year for, for businesses. But in many respects, golf clubs have done remarkably well on the playing side. Memberships are up, interest is up. Yeah, there's been, um, I mean, overall figures are, I suppose if you looked at the top line, you'd say, yes, the number of rounds played has increased dramatically. Uh, the number of members have increased dramatically. Um, the figure during the rounds is about 12,000. But as you said earlier, we won't know of the actual figure until next year. But I mean, that all looks so good. And I mean, obviously these new memberships there, I think uh, Tremor took on more than 200 members. So, I mean, some clubs have really done, I don't want to say they've done well out of it because I don't think any club has done well. Um, they've got new members, they've increased membership, uh, sorry, playing um, volume. But at the same time, you know, they haven't got the green fees in. Um, restaurants and bars have been closed for a lot of it. So the income has been heavily reduced. I mean, I was up at Powerscourt Golf Club, actually, in, I think it was September. And I was talking to Gavin Hunt there. And he said, look, you know, the, we've got our courses absolutely packed, but they're playing, being played by members. So they're not paying, you know, they pay their annual sub. They're not paying green fees. So they're not getting much income. And I, I mean, that's not obviously exclusive to Powerscourt. It's, it's common across the board. So... I think the optimism that has come from this is that A, people have played a lot more golf. Um, you've got new members, a lot of whom are new to golf. And the big optimism is what's going to happen next year. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously we lost all of these, um, the, the, big, the big bucket list tourists who are coming from America, Japan, and all these other places where they play the bucket list courses and they, they, they spend a lot of money here. So, I mean, that's been a major loss to us. I mean, that, that's no surprise and everybody knows that. But next year, I think it's going to be probably more of the same. We may get some of them back, but they're not going to get that many back. So it is a question about holding on to the members that we have yeah. and hopefully in, in increasing that number even further. I think one of the things that we noticed and was, and was well, well talked about during 2020 was the fact to be somehow golf on the same way golfers people are interested in the game we got back that demographic that would lost that magic sort of 25 to 35 40 year olds who for so many years have been away from golf because of jobs family work prices of things and more things to be doing themselves and suddenly because of the COVID situation, golf was the only thing we could do. A lot of them returned to the game and really enjoyed it. But a lot of that was done with clubs offering deals. So the problem for clubs now is, how do we keep this membership? How does golf retain this membership and get them really into club life as opposed to just playing golf? That's, I mean, it was interesting right at the start when um, the whole COVID thing first started and they said, only 
members can play their courses. A lot of courses went out, a lot of clubs went out and reduced their memberships. And if, you know, with a couple of months hindsight, they'd have realized they didn't have to do that. You know, people were flocking to them. So they've slightly made a rod for their own back. And now they've got to figure out going forward how they keep that momentum. And I think um, you've, got a, you've got different ways that you can do it, but there is always going to be a struggle because I mean, you talk about the, the people who are with their life of families and jobs who come into golf and then they drop out because of various family commitments, whatever it might be. That's never going to change. There's always going to be that commitment. And there is a certain, I believe that there is a very strong evolution in how people play the game in terms of when they start, when they drop out, when they pick it up again, when they drop out again. And sort of, and that's why I know people slightly, I don't want to say sneer, but there's that attitude that golf is an old person's game um, for the elite. Now forget the elite, but it is definitely a game very popular with the older people because it's a game they can play. Um, you know, they can't play the, the footballs and, and, and those kind of games anymore. So people come back to golf and that's part of the evolution of it. And in a way, I think we should embrace that. I'm not saying we ignore any of the 25 to 40 year olds because obviously that they're hugely important to the game and to club um, competitions and teams and things. But at the same time, you know, we've got, we've got to con you can't focus on one group exclusively. You know, there's this massive push for juniors. It's like, yes, of course we want to get juniors in the game. But, you know, there are not going to be many 16, 17 year olds who are going to carry on playing it when they've got, you know, the opposite sets to run after, when they've got exams, when they're thinking about travel and things like that. You know, golf goes down the pecking order, not surprisingly. But, uh, sorry, back to your original question. Um, next year, clubs are going to have to work very hard to keep people. Um, it's not going to be easy. I mean, obviously, I think if COVID continues in terms of these restrictions, I think people will be very grateful to carry on with their memberships. And that just then moves on perhaps to the following year as a, as a struggle for the club to keep them within the fold. But I think there are golfers out there who are not playing, who are saying, well, I can't play. I want some money back. And I don't think clubs can be doing that. And I think members need to be, uh, to realize that for the club to survive, they need to support them in many ways. One of them is financially too. So, you can reduce fees. Uh, I don't think that's a very smart way to go because as soon as you reduce them at some point, you're going to have to put them back up. So it's a question of adding value. I mean, I worked in marketing for a long time and a lot of the ideas are about adding value. It's not about giving discounts. So, you know, you can give them 14 months for the price of 12. And to be perfectly honest, that's something I'm really keen on because it moves the annual subscription date from January to March. So January, nobody wants to think about golf really in January or pay for it. Let's so move it to March, you've got spring coming, people are actually starting to think, hey, wow, you know, I've got something to look forward to now. I think that would make a big difference. And I did talk to someone who said, well, you know, you've got problems with the constitution and the club and all that sort of thing. But change the constitution. These are difficult, extraordinary times. Make the, make the changes, find ways to improve what you do. So, I mean, I think that that's one way. And then there are other ways too, in terms of making the club more accessible. I mean, a lot of clubs continue to be quite tight knit. They don't open their doors that much. I mean, you look at somewhere like Galway Bay um, um, Golf Resort, and I know that they are very big on Sunday lunches. Lots of people from the locality come in and 
and eat. So it's creating more of a, uh, a vibe to the club life and what they offer. I appreciate that's not easy to do at the moment because of all the restrictions. But it is about looking at opportunities and options of what you can do and think outside the box. You've got to start looking at that. I mean, I, what, what, you know, I work for a few different people um, in golf and it's always interesting hearing the different ideas that people come up with. And then why not th throw a bash, have a bash for your members. So they don't have to pay for it, you know, have a certain limit on, you know, drink and provide buses to take people back into towns or whatever it might be. Try and give them something that you haven't given them before. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Now we, we did talk earlier, we mentioned just in passing about, you know, the fact that members once again, and it was very obvious the first time, you know, clubs will rely on members to, to finance the club, particularly in the short term, because all the other avenues and the other revenue streams have been cut off. Green fees for a lot of clubs cut off, visitor fees decimated, bars and restaurants closed long term. So the financial situation of a lot of clubs has been propped up by the new members and also propped up by some government subsidies and help. But that's going to run out. We're coming into a new year. You know, and uh, you know, are we looking at the situation where clubs are going to be struggling, or are we looking back towards recession era problems with clubs surviving financially? Yes, I think so. I mean, there there has to be. I mean, there's always been um, a slight glut of golf courses in this country um, back in 2008. I mean, I, I work on the basis that. Between 1990 and 2008, the number of golf courses in Ireland increased by 50%. Um, you know, the number of people playing the game increased for a while and then started decreasing from 2006. So it's no surprise that we've lost courses. What slightly surprises me is that we haven't lost more. So, you know, COVID started, we lost, well, I think it was three or four courses. And uh, one, one, sorry, two courses came together to become one club down in Kilorgling. And I thought that was a very smart move. Okay, it was, it was done out of necessity because they're both closed and the people got together and said, look, why don't we open as one club? Mm -hmm. I would see a need for more partnerships between clubs. There are plenty out there that have reciprocal arrangements. So if you join uh, Photo Island, you can play at, um, I think it might be Conqueror Wood. Um, something like that, you know, you, you, you have reciprocal playing rights. So that's one thing. But I, I think you're probably right that at, at the end, we are going to go back, take a big step back once the sort of this euphoria over new members dies down. I think that, you know, wh where can we go? And as you point out, there isn't an awful lot of financial resources out there to support us. So clubs will have to look at how they can manage their costs going forward for the next probably five years, very much so before there's a real sense of, of, of recovery. I mean, this could go on for, well, the fact that we don't know how long it's going to go on for really puts us in a quandary. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Overall, but would you be pessimistic or, you know, positive about the outlook over the next 18 months or so? What's your overall thinking That's an interesting question. I, I, to be perfectly honest, I haven't actually thought about it. Um, I think ultimately... You're like the rest of us, you're trying to get through one week at a time. 
I think that's exactly it, yeah. Um, yeah, trying to get through one day. Have you noticed how the speed of days goes past now? They just go so fast. It's just, you don't know what's going on. Anyway, sorry, that's not the question. Um, I think um, overall, I tend to remain optimistic, obviously enough, um, it'd be more my nature anyway. But I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of pain. And, but as long as people are prepared to, to endure that pain on the basis that we will come out the other side. I know there's always this thing about, you know, we're leaner and stronger, which obviously means fewer golf courses. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of the people who have joined the game, who are brand new to the game, a, a good portion of those are not going to stick around. Um, the time and expense remains an issue. Um, I don't know if, if you saw today St. Margaret's Golf Resort, mm-hmm. um, Golf and Country Club, they call themselves now, mm-hmm. have just announced one million in investment and a new joining fee for members. Now, I actually don't have a problem with joining fees because I think if you pay that money, you remain loyal to a club and you're not bouncing from one course to another because of the, you've got a great deal, which I always think is a slightly bad thing anyway. You know, I've been a member at the same club since, well, you know, I've been playing at my home club since I was six. So, you know, I've been around for a long time and I don't really plan to move. Um, you know, you know the people, you know the environment and that sort of thing. And, and there's got to be an awful lot more of, of that. And I think, to be honest, I think clubs should actually, I may be speaking out of turn here, but I do think that clubs need to lean more on their members and members need to be more responsive to that. There is still a wee bit of amateur news in deepest, darkest December, and it does feel deep and dark. Uh, Dylan Keating from Seapoint, Darcy Hogg, Beaver Park, and Jack Murphy from Douglas have been confirmed as winners of the boys' underage orders of merit for 2020. And the RNA recently revealed their GBNI Vagliano Trophy and Curtis Cup squads. So um, Irish had, Ireland has five uh, people in that extended squad have Julie McCarthy, mm-hmm. Annabelle Wilson, uh, Olivia Mahaffey, Paula Grant and Lauren Walsh. And John Murphy, Tom McKibben, Mark Parr and Caelan Rafferty have been included in the Walker Cup squad. So Ireland very well represented in both those, which is excellent. Yeah, it's great. Considering how little golf the amateurs actually got to play this year, when you think about it, it's great to see them in that squad. Tom, by the way, is the youngest member of the of that extended um, Walker Cup panel. Um, he's uh, 17 years old, so it'll be a great victory for him to get into that. Anyway, yeah. so, Emma, let's chat. Let's have our wee <laughs> chat about good year, bad year. <laughs> As we said, normally mm-hmm. we sit here and we grade the Irish players. We give them our, their marks for the year. Uh, mm-hmm. Formerly of this parish, Morris J used to go into a great deal of stats this time of the year. He used to write <laughs> pages and pages of stats. He loved a wee stat. rainforest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he loved a wee stat. But we've decided, being the year that it is, it seemed a wee bit. I said, we would not unfair on anybody to pinpoint too many people. So mm-hmm. let's start with, let's go with the positives, Emma. So when you look back in 2020, yes. who has had a good year? Who's your choice for a good year? Okay, well, despite the sort of year we've had, I think we have had quite a few to choose from, which is good. I'm, I was toying between a few, but I'm going to go with John Ram. Because okay. not only did he 
live up to my expectations in the masters and win me a tiny amount of money and we're talking pittance here it's not even a full christmas present for anybody but still <laughs> he delivered he delivered but uh i think if we're talking the whole year rather than if you look particularly at the actual 2020 pga tour season which obviously finished a few months ago um he he's outplayed himself and he is beginning to get where i think people were always saying that he had the potential to get there. He was, you know, he spent some time at world number one as well. He and DJ have been toing and froing a little bit amongst themselves with the, you know, the top ranking in the world and with the that ridiculously exciting playoff where they were holding putts of mm-hmm. incredible distances, you know, matching each other putt for putt. Just fantastic. And obviously I could have chosen DJ because he has been dominating, but that seemed a little bit too obvious. And I think it just the, the slight element of the rising star of Rambo is... Um, and, and the fact that he seems to be coming out the other side, maybe a tiny bit of those temper tantrums. I mean, the passion is still there. We still get to hear a lot of what he thinks about what's going on. Not quite as much as Mr. Hatton, but, you know, I, I just, yeah, for me, he's had a great year. And now he's announced he's having a baby and that usually has really positive effects on their game as well. So I just think he's had a great year all around. So he's my goodie for the oh, year. So- how that's, about you? It's a good choice. Are, are you buying that? Have I, oh, yes, it, that suitably for you? Of, uh, yes, I think so. I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that one. What I will say is that he didn't seem to cope too well with being world number one. He had a bit of a slump just when he was world number one. After. He mm. just went off the boil a bit. However, he is possibly Europe's most explosive and entertaining player right now. Definitely, mm-hmm. just right now, he's he, he's box office when he's playing. He is, um, and he he, is, he, he's, he seems to be very competitive and had much more competitive year mm. than Rory, who was cons- consistent. But as we said, meh. The, but the, yeah, well, the first half of his year, Rory was like was filled with top tens yeah. and and positivity, and then it just just went after bleh. that after the enforced break. Yeah, the the meh yeah. sort of crept Rory's, in, didn't it? And as always, we we were handing out the hope. And it didn't, particularly in Augusta. No, so good, a good quite, year for John Ram is, is, is a good hmm. call. I'm going even broader. I'm going to say it's been a good mm-hmm. year for English golf as a whole. And I was doing a wee, yep, bit, of, I I was doing a wee bit of Memoris J looking at here. There are now <laughs> four English players inside the top 25 in the world. So that's uh, Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood and Paul Casey. Like in all four of them, would have a very good shout at a Ryder Cup place. Mm. On the European Tour alone this year, there was seven different English winners. We're talking about Lee Westwood, Sam Horsfield, Andy Sullivan, Aaron Ray, Tyrrell Hatton, Ross McGowan, and Matthew Fitzpatrick. So that's just on the men's side. Tyrrell Hatton also won in America. And then you've got to look at the women's yes. side of things. So you had Charlie mm-hmm. Hall also competing very well. I'm not getting over the line, but you've had Mel Reid and Georgia Hall both winning over on the LPGA. Back-to-back as well. Over on the LPGA, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you also had the rise of the Rogue Series where a lot of young English golfers got to play competitively. I think Charlie Hall came up trumps in that. So, you know, it's looking very strong. And look, I haven't, I haven't even mentioned Justin Rose, who's had a rough yeah, enough I was year. thinking that when you were actually saying, listing yeah. off the, the men that were in the top 25. Tommy Fleetwood and, didn't have a win this year. 
and you it's, look at the yeah. spike. So English golf, English pro golf, is in rare, rare good, good place at the minute. As much as it pains me to say that as a proud Irish lad, at the minute they're wiping <laughs> for this in terms of their strength and depth well, and their performances. Do do we think? I mean, we probably don't have time to get into this in much detail, but do we think that this is the uh, the result of grassroots work that has been going on over the last however long and we are seeing the results of it or is that too big a shout to call and therefore it might well be something that we will be catching them well, up on should we if say you, if, you drop, if you drop Westwood out of a twos shall we say been around <laughs> yeah, for a long time right? Sam Horsfield's very young Sam Horsfield's very young and based in America mainly but still a young and upcoming player uh, Aaron Ray's quite young Fitzpatrick's only in his 20s so there's still That's a lot crazy, of players there, yeah. Okay, Casey, Fleet, I don't know what age Fleetwood is, but he's certainly not 40 yet. No, I think he's only 28. He's not 30 yet. He's a he's deceiving. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's younger than Laurie Cantor and things. So yeah, he's And there's you know, you're talking about and they're saying there's Laurie Cantor, you're just talking about now a good mm. young player coming along. And I don't know what's going on, whether they've got their structures right or whether it's just opportunity mm. or whether it's money. But at the minute, English golf is very strong and doing very well. And you couldn't, you wouldn't put it past the likes of Hatton, Fleetwood, any of these guys to compete at a major. They should be. Um, mm. And, you know, Fitzpatrick possibly maybe not long enough all the time, but wonderful player, Ryder Cup player. So I'd say that's my, that's my choice for a good year. The other one that I would have picked was Rasmus Highgard. Ah, yes. He's pushed onto the scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's had a good year as well. But overall, I think I couldn't, I couldn't take my eyes off off the English golfers. I don't know what, what you know is is it? You live over there. What, what's the profile mm -hmm. like? Um, I'd have to say, but it, yeah, do you know what it it is? It'd be something I would say. Just having whatever time I've been in the golf club over the last couple of years, realistically, there would be. It feels like there's more people watching and things when you, you know, there's more, there's more people that you, I suppose, what, that they identify with, that they're, you know, the the home support kind of feel yeah, behind, behind it. it and yes, exactly that, exactly yeah. that. And, you know, my, um, my recent day job, which is um, not actually on air at the moment, but the, the kids um, sports program that I was working on for a few years, anytime we went to film um, a golf piece, with England golf or anything like that there's you know there is a lot of there's a lot of work being done at that level and a lot of the um a lot of the pros of you know current and former are giving back money and time and creating little tours and all sorts of all sorts of things you know obviously like Michael Gallagher's doing a lot of work for that in Ireland as well yeah. so you know it's the same kind of equivalent but it, it does feel like there's a lot of strength and depth you know across across the game and whether you're going to you know growing the pro new professional ranks definitely but that's only going to help you know it's it's sort of you know self-fulfilling prophecy isn't it when you can see it then it inspires the next people to do it and and so on and so forth and i think there's a lot of that about at the minute but yeah Matt, sorry just going back to it much but patrick feels like he's like a almost right, a bit forever. of a veteran of the european yeah. tour doesn't he and he's yeah. like 26 or whatever like that's that's wild. And with, with him and Billy things, as well, I think they... Yeah. One of the other things to think about Billy. in English golf at the minute is, like, a number of the best YouTube bloggers in the world are golf, are English. 
Peter Finch, Rick Shields, Mark Crossfield. These, these are people who are have a very high profile. They're all English and they're making their name away from traditional TV. They've got into a different audience. Yep. So you know, yep. I, I think it's, 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 it's really is boom. We, we don't seem to have anybody in Ireland like that. Which is interesting mm-hmm. when you consider the interest in, that we have in the game, but with, with no sort of, shall we say, YouTube or social media star who's reached across the whole of Ireland uh, in That's doing their tips. Point. And maybe an actual fact that the market here is a lot smaller when you actually go down for it. The market is quite small. The, the demographics over in England would suit it better in the UK. And the other thing that I think has had a big impact this year is the is swing, the UK swing that the mm. European Tour put in. Because it was the only show yep. in town. There was no other sport exactly. on. Exactly. And I, I think, you know, if, if, if the UK golf and, and, and uh, England golf as an organisation doesn't get their finger out and really tap into this, they'll have missed a great opportunity. So, oh, that's a good news, Emma. Yes. The bad news. Who had a bad 2020? Do you know, it's this is a trickier one in a lot of ways because it's it's been such an up and down year for everybody, and you don't like you're saying we don't want to point fingers in a way. But Grayson, no, well, sorry. Well, I feel yeah. Well, he's obviously he's a prime example of the polar polar success and in inverted commas failure, isn't he? Because he's put himself out there. He's had incredible success. He has. You know, as we've discussed many times, you can't deny the success there. And the US Open, blah, blah, blah. We won't say it all again. And then the Masters, which was obviously not according to DeChambeau's plans whatsoever. And he's now, you know, the spotlight for everything, which again, I don't know if he wants that. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but he's got it. You know, every event he turns up to, he's under triple the scrutiny of anybody else out there. So, you know, interesting for him, I mean, I'm tempted to say Patrick Reed in a way because he had it all, didn't he, until a certain point on Sunday, <laughs> and didn't didn't we all weep for him? <clears throat> uh, but, Come on, bite the yeah, bullet, and I mean, pick somebody or something. I'm gonna. I'm. Do you know what? It's it's not. It's not because of his play, but I'm gonna say Brooks Kepka because oh. particularly particularly. Oh, well, I've thrown you, thrown you a little little yeah. off one in there, haven't yeah. I? And um, because. He's just, I think maybe it is all everything being relative and you just think the way he was storming over the last couple of years. And then it's, it is because of injury, like I say, that, and he said himself, I mean, he's never got a negative thing in his head, which is one of his many strengths, as we know. He's saying, you know, any time I played badly this year was because of the injury. It's not how much has it affected it. It was the injury. So he's able to like wipe out all the negative and blame it all on the injury. But it's it's obviously been a terrible year for him. You know, that's going to have been hard. He's very competitive. He couldn't play for a while. He was missing cuts. He had to withdraw from events. And that's not what he wants to be doing. So I would say, I mean, then you see him with his girlfriend on social media and everyone else will be saying, Emma, he's been fine. Don't you worry about it, Pep. Um, so there is that element. He's always going to be okay with Jenna, we know. But, um, but and obviously, but he's got Ricky to look after him, and on yeah. on the golf course, so he's not never never going to have too bad a year with Ricky after him. But I just he just having to think proper, think back, and I look at it, like he just stood out to me as just it's not what you you know if we're starting off again fresh, looking at the start of twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> if everyone remembers that far back, 
you wouldn't have expected it. Well, he was injured the latter half of last year, mm-hmm. but you know, it's it's not it's not what you would have hoped for, maybe for him. So I'm going to go with him. Fair so enough. there you go. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say it's been a bad year for him simply because of the injury and a loss of form. Mm. He did lose form. And he lost confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, he still he was showing signs of improvement towards the end of the year. He'll go away now and hopefully get himself fit, come back. But he does set such high standards for himself. And even when he yes. was back, he was yes. he wasn't saying like I'm back. I'm just trying to ease myself into things. No, that's not his way. I'm back. I'm no, here to he's win. After a win, these these, <laughs> yeah, these exactly. guys, you know, aren't my match and all that sort of thing. So, um, I've no sympathy for him, but yes, by his high standards, <laughs> it has definitely been a, a rough year. And actually, I, I'm sticking with another American as well, who's had another rough year. Mm-hmm. And you could really have put in. I was thinking, you know, who's had a bad year, and I was thinking maybe Jordan Spieth, but that's been going on a bit longer. Mm. That the one that stood out to me is Ricky Fowler. Ricky. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, Ricky okay. Fowler has had a nightmare year Ricky Fowler's down to 51 in the world now He was once as high as 4th It's his lowest ranking Since February 2014 He only oh. had Two finishes in the, Between 4 and 10 This year Only no. two eight, eight or That's... nine cuts This is a man who still has no major win He has only Five PGA Tour wins He's one of the biggest stars in Europe on the US tour, and yet his results don't. You look at them compared to his profile. He's up there, you know, with bricks and sponsorships and everything, mm. and yet bricks are tramp all over him in terms of wins and performances and everything. A mainstay of the Europe of the US Ryder Cup team, everybody's favorite, yeah. and his performances have been rank. There's no two words That's... about it. Rank. <laughs> <laughs> back him. Even no, put, and that, which you know, was one of the strong points. God. Mm. And saying you can back him, that's absolutely, you know, he was, for how long was he like your sound each way exactly. for every major that came yeah. along? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he was the top, you know, maybe always the bridesmaid, but, you know, he was, he was uh, going he's the one everyone one. was waiting for, wasn't yeah, he? Was he was going to exactly, win. Exactly. And exactly. I know he's got a new coach, and I know, I know, um, to say that um, you know it takes a while for things to bed in, but this has been going on mm. ten months or so. There doesn't seem to be any. It's a long time. In. Now he's recently thirty-two years old, so he's and he's married, just married. So maybe you know, let's be honest. Everybody's lives change, things change in people's lives, mm-hmm. priorities change. You know, everybody moves on a bit. But I just wonder now. You know, there's him and there's space. And the two of them have very important seasons ahead next year. Are they going to get themselves back to anything like they once were? If they don't like yeah. them, you can see them drift away even further. You're right. It does feel like it's quite make and break for both both of them. And it's not, as you say, it's not been a, an overnight you yeah. know, descent. It's It's been quite consistent and quite gradual. And it's mm-hmm. Yeah, and there haven't been the recovery signs that, that you would have hoped for for both of them. Because let's be honest, they're both also great players to watch. And, yeah. you know, Spieth's putting was surely never going to have stayed the way it was for that hot streak. Yeah. I mean, that was obviously not going to happen. But it seems like everything else has crumbled around him as well. And it's not, 
it's not nice to see. It's not nice to see. No, no, you don't, no, you don't want right. to see that happen to people, do you? No, it's it's not. You know, there are other people that you would you would not be annoyed at. Maybe losing their game. <laughs> May have mentioned one or two of them already. <laughs> but those guys seem to be genuine enough people, and and like even if Jordan Spieth's career were to finish, he's still got a hell of a record. All those major wins. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, he's doing all right. But like Rick, yeah. Ricky never hasn't reached those levels yet. Um, you no. know, he's he, you're talking about Jordan Spieth. Um, Ricky Fowler and um, DJ was probably always a wee bit ahead, and, and um, the other, the other good, uh, who is it? The other group of that party, Jay-Z. Justin Thomas. Justin and Thomas, those, yeah. And yeah. of those three, of those three, Ricky's the bridesmaid, big style at the minute. Yeah, yeah, he is a bit. <laughs> and yeah, JT seems to be the only one who's really holding it together for them all at the moment yeah. out of their little very competitive group, player but... very very competitive player and as you look ahead to 2021 mm. emma what are you expecting oh, God, can we can we dare we can we <laughs> can we can have we you any expectations for something from left field give me a left field thing left field let's see um oh gosh um I would say, oh, I don't know. Do you know there's so many things going through my head, and lots of them are like Ryder Cup related and Solheim Cup ooh, related, and ooh, ooh. I just I think those. I was, I think the Ryder Cup is going to be particularly tasty. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I I would like to think that we might, we might look like we weren't gonna do it and have it not a Medina like like uh-huh. let's not leave it that late guys but you know I think you know the first it, it, the first one back on US soil it's going to be different you know I think it'll take everybody a while to get used to having big crowds yeah. around them yeah. in general and then that hopefully all being well will be an almighty thing to contend with for Europeans so I don't know I, I reckon we might we might have a really really tasty Ryder Cup victory and I'm, I'm not I don't want to put a downer on on the girls, but their performance last time was just incredible, and I don't. And the American team was so strong in, in the women. I think maybe maybe that would be it. Actually, maybe that would be my left field. Would actually be that the Solheim Cup that uh, Beanie's girls will have a have a back to back and actually mm-hmm. take it to them on on home soil. That's that's going to be my left field. Is that we would we win the European will win the Solheim Cup on American soil. There you go. I'm going for Rory to have a strange majorless season, but win an Olympic gold medal. Oh, I like that. I like that. That is, that is out there. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then, will we get more of the the Olympic medals, or as important as the majors? Are they? Aren't they? <laughs> chat. Mm-hmm. Do like Justin Excellent. Rose carrying it around his golf bag for next year. <laughs> <laughs> right so that's it that's a couple of predictions as, we're, as we wrap things up mm-hmm. that's it episode 89 of the podcast all complete thanks again to Emma for mm-hmm. her contribution over the last few months Emma as we know the last time we did try to record episode 89 I stuffed things up <laughs> and we did do a recording but it never made the air mainly because my IT skills seem to be getting worse as we get older um, this is definitely <laughs> Our last podcast of 2020. If this one doesn't go out, hard cheese will go back again in 2021. Try it again. Um, it's been a very <laughs> another strange one just for year. us. 
<laughs> but a strange year all around. Thanks to our sponsor, Better Golf. And as I said, thanks to Emma for taking on the hosting duties. Thank you. For everybody else, try and enjoy the rest of 2020, regardless of what it brings, whether it brings extra lockdown or whether it brings families getting together. And as we said before, we continue to say on the podcast, Emma, what is the rule of thumb for Christmas presents for the golfer in your life? Vouchers. Think vouchers. You cannot go wrong with vouchers. Here that, ends the lesson. <laughs> and on that note, we'll bring 2020 to an end. <laughs> Emma, thanks very much. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye.